Well, hey everybody, thanks for joining us today and thank you for being okay with being a little bit flexible today as things don't look the way they always do. Um, you know, if you've been connecting the last couple weeks, you know that I was gone on vacation for a couple weeks and uh, it was great to be away. It was great that uh, Andrew Saunders could be with you guys a couple weeks ago to share and then Pastor Andrew, I'm super thankful for both of them uh, stepping in while I was gone. Uh, but sometimes what happens when your last name is Murphy is Murphy's Law kicks in pretty hard and uh, that which can go wrong will go wrong. And so we got back on Thursday, just this last Thursday, um, and Friday morning I woke up and I was fine. And then all of a sudden, about a half hour after I woke up, I realized I was not fine. Um, I started to have a headache, I started to have chills, I started to have body aches, and I just thought, this is weird. Didn't feel the same as any other sickness I've ever had. Uh, extremely tired and so I thought you know I laid down for a while and thought maybe I should take a test um, just to see and sure enough I tested positive for COVID um, and so I, I'm okay I'm, I'm well enough now obviously in front of you being able to do this uh, I don't have the energy level so if I seem a little off at times it's just because I am um, but I'm glad that I can still be with you in this way and be able to share with you through video even though this isn't what we normally do. In fact, this may be the first time we've ever done that. Uh, so kind of cool with that. Also, COVID Corey wears glasses, so something else that's new for you. But I'm super thankful for everybody that has stepped up, stepped in, made this possible. People that are holding down the fort today, Pastor Andrew, I owe you big time for basically leaving you as lead pastor for three weeks. Um, but I miss all of you. I miss being able to be here. I miss seeing you. I miss just being able to interact with you. So I'm really hopeful uh, that I will be fine and I will be back uh, next Sunday, no problem. Um, and next week, I'm really excited about next week because next week is the 4th of July. And so if you haven't signed up to be a part of the 4th of July with the fireworks in our backyard, please do. We would love to have you. It would be amazing if you would come and help us serve. It's such a fun time to serve and you can even do it as a family. Uh, my kids love just being able to go and just hand out glow sticks to other kids. Um, and so it's, a, it's an awesome time to be able just to interact with our community, be a loving place for them just even to be able to use the bathroom while we're there while they're here uh, and so yeah if you haven't signed up for that please do and it, by the way if it rains on the 4th of July the fireworks are moved to the 5th of July and that's my birthday so if you're signed up and you can come on the 5th of July guess what we'll just pretend it's a birthday party for me with fireworks okay it'll be awesome so hopefully I'll see you next week but I, I'm really hoping I'll be able to see you on the 4th of July super excited about that well, we've been going through this sermon series called Summer Love, and we've been digging into 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, again, you've probably heard this passage. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you may have heard this passage. If you've been to a wedding or, or something like that, you've seen it on somebody's wall. And it's all these love is things, like love is this, love is that, love is this. And when we think about that and we think about what that means, Paul is really pulling us and drawing us into this, the depth of what love is. And what we're going to see later, we're going to read a passage where it says God is love. And when you think about that, when you just say God is love, what, what you're doing is not just saying, oh, God is rainbows and butterflies, right? You're, there's a depth to that. When God is love, when you think about just what it means for God to be something, and then you go, he's love. And, and then Paul walks us through all these things about 
who God is and how he loves and what that means and then how we do that, there's a depth here. So we're taking it week by week and just going through each little phrase just to be able to understand what it means to love at this depth and what it means for followers of Jesus to be able to love in this way. It's not easy. It's not always our first inclination to do this, but it's something that is, it's, some, it's honestly some of the tension we live in as followers of Jesus in understanding how to love people and what the most loving decision is from time to time because things don't always look exactly the same. And so I want to start off today in 1 Corinthians 13. By the way, we're going to bounce around a lot today and the follow along is up. So if you uh, just go to mygracefamily.church, even though you're not going to be able to see my slides today, sorry about that. Um, mygracefamily.church, click the follow along. You can see everything there. Um, or just take that next steps card in the seat back in front of you, scan the QR code, it'll take you right there. And you can follow along with everything today. Um, be super easy for you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3 says this, If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then verse 4 says this, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. And so two weeks ago, we talked about love is patient and kind. Last week, Pastor Andrew talked about love is not jealous. And this week, we're going to focus on love is not boastful or proud. And the way I want to frame this conversation just to start is that pride is poison to any relationship. Pride is poison to any relationship. What does that mean? It means if you think about the people that you know or you would think of as the most prideful people, or, or maybe at times you've been that person or I've been that person, and just you, you puffed up, you're prideful, you, you interact with people as kind of like having this, you know, like you're better than them or something like that, right? Think about how easy it is to love that person. It's not, right? It's difficult to love that person. And I would even go as far to say is those who are full of pride will actually have a hard time showing love to others. I think that's true. I, I think when we're full of pride, we have a hard time showing love to others because we're so focused on us and what we've done and what's true for us that we don't see the other side of what people need and what's going on in their lives and how we love them. And so when we've known people that are super prideful, it's difficult to love them. And I would say it's difficult for them to love others as well. When we're full of pride, we're not making decisions that, that are to the benefit of others. We're making decisions that benefit us. You know, one of the things that I was, you know, was happening as I was laying in bed on Friday, just trying to recover, uh, is the Supreme Court decision came down, right? And so all of a sudden, social media was a firestorm. People, you know, upset, angry, terrified of what this means. People that are excited and happy. And I would find myself on that side. I don't know if excited is the right word, but I, you know, I, I believe life begins at conception and abortion is wrong. And so I, I'm, I'm happy that those decisions were made. But at the same time, what I saw in some areas were Christians that were prideful and boastful about how they interacted with people that disagreed with them. 
And all of a sudden, because the Supreme Court made this decision, they got puffed up and they got, uh, you know, real excited about it. And they could, you know, just be like, you know, all in each other's faces and things like that. And I, and I just, as I watched that happen, I thought, you know, from both sides, this isn't winning anybody to anything. Because when we live in that place, when we're full of pride and anger, when we're so sure that I'm right and you're wrong and you're ridiculous, I can't believe you believe this, how could this happen? With that attitude, it separates us more than it brings us together. And we, we don't love each other because of an opinion, an idea. And when we do that, we're not loving each other. We're just stating that the other person is wrong, and we're taking pride in the fact that we believe we're right. And, and so even as Christians, if, if, if you're happy today about that decision, we have to be careful. We, we don't want to just be this prideful, puffed-up person that just points our finger in someone else's face. It's not love. It's not what Jesus did. And so as we think about this and process this, right, this is the tension that we live in. How do we love well? And then the question I think comes down to, how do I love out of my own humility? Instead of loving out of pride, what's the opposite, right? It's loving out of humility. So I want to go to Romans chapter 3. We're going to read verses 23 through 28. So Romans 3, starting in 23, says this, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ, Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood, shedding his blood. That sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Verse 27, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. I want to go back to that, that first phrase in verse 27, right? He says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? And he says, no. We have to think through this passage and understand that we are accepted by God not because of what we have done, but because of what he did for us. And I think this completely changes the perspective of how we understand ourselves, how we understand God, and how we understand how we interact with other people. When we recognize that, that we honestly have accomplished nothing in our relationship with God, 
we, we have nothing to stand on. This was the problem with the Pharisees, right? They, they were so puffed up and prideful because they were so good at following the law and they didn't do the wrong things and they looked at other people and they saw how much better they were and all of those things. They, they were so prideful and Jesus had such a problem with them because he was so frustrated that they were not, they were so committed to their pride and to their accomplishment, they wouldn't love other people. They didn't have love in their back pocket because they were so focused on themselves and not on what it meant to care for others. And so Paul says, hey, we have to recognize that it is not about us. It's not about what I've accomplished or how good I am or how much I've done. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And so I would say it this way, I cannot boast when I am truly loved and I see what love has done for me. I cannot boast when I am truly loved and I see what love has done for me. I, you know, sometimes I use this illustration with us and, and I, I think it just makes sense. But I, I would think through it as um, when you're a kid, when I was a kid, maybe I'll say that, um, th there was an expectation of love. Like, it, it's just like you knew, like, your parents are going to do what, what's right. Your parents are going to love you. They're, they're going to be there for you. Like, you, you, I felt like I could get away with stuff sometimes. Like, oh, my mom and dad are always going to love me. Right? It's just like, this is just what it's going to be. And it was almost like I, I had certain expectations because I was like, yeah, they're just going to love me anyway. Um, and I think that changes a lot when you get to be an adult and especially if you get married because you start to realize, I think when you're married, just how difficult to love you are. <laughs> like you realize uh, you're not as good as you thought you were. Uh, you don't remember all the things you're supposed to remember. You leave things places. You, you make a mess. You forget to do the things. You forget. Maybe this is just me. Maybe you guys don't do this at all, but... Like you realize how different it is and how, how now that you're married, you're, you're realizing like, oh, it's hard to love me. Like, and your spouse, though they've made a commitment to you, right? It's not like they're just gonna walk away, hopefully. But at the same time, like they're choosing to love you. They're choosing to hang out with you. They're choosing to be with you at all times, even though you are so difficult to love. And I think this is some of what is true when we think about this with God. Like when I recognize how difficult I am to love, how much I have let him down, how much wrong I've done, how much uh, I've denied him with my actions or my words, and yet he still loves me, that, that desire for me to boast and be prideful and puffed up, it completely goes away. Because I recognize I've, I don't deserve it. I've done nothing to earn God's love. In fact, I've done everything I probably could to push God's love away, and yet he still loves me. You know, boasting and, and pride move us into places where we feel good about ourselves, but it destroys relationships. And that's why I said before, right, pride is poison to any relationship. It can put us in a place where we like to be. It makes us feel good. And that's why it's so tempting to be there. But it destroys the relationship, right? And I think boasting does a couple of things. Boasting claims dominance over someone else. And you'll see this in sporting events. And, and I've done this. Maybe you've done this, right? You score a goal or a touchdown or 
make the make the play and and you get excited about it you high five your teammates you know there's a there's a moment there of yeah that's right i did that and there's some place for that it's a little bit of boasting but it's also you know you you made an accomplishment you want to boast and maybe you're winning the game and you're you want to show the other team like you're winning and you're gonna win and they're not gonna catch up and in sports in the right context sometimes i think that's okay but in life it destroys relationships when we want to be boastful and we want to show our dominance over someone else because of what we've accomplished the relationship with that person is going to be destroyed i also think that boasting assumes authority over someone else and in certain times right as a as a parent or as a boss or as a supervisor or whatever like you have authority over someone else but when we boast over that person when we are prideful in our interactions with that person and we're puffed up and and we use that as leverage to keep them in their place we are no longer a person that they want to follow so even though authority you may be an authority over someone being the kind of person that is just prideful and puffed up maybe you've had a boss like this and they just are difficult to deal with it's difficult to interact with them they're always right they never listen to you right they're just so full of themselves you don't want to follow that person and so when we get into these areas of of boasting to show dominance or authority or whatever it just destroys relationships and it can make us feel really good for a little bit of time but it is not what we are called to do or called to be Proverbs 27.2 says this, Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. He says, hey, like, don't be the one who sings all your praises. Don't be the one who tells everybody else how great you are. We've all known the people like that, right? We've all known the people that just want to talk about how good they are, how accomplished they are, all that stuff. We've known those people. Easy to love, difficult to love. Probably more on the difficult side, right? Like, he says, don't, let someone else praise you. Let, let someone else notice what you've done. Let them be the ones who bring up the good that you've done, not you. And I think we get into a dangerous place with this, again, this tension that we're dealing with on how this works and what we do with it. Because what I think is true sometimes is we evaluate others on their actions and we evaluate ourselves on our intentions. Let me say that again. We evaluate others on their actions, but we evaluate ourselves on our intentions. What does that mean? It means when we look at other people, we look at what they do and we hold them completely accountable for it. And we say, how could you do that? Or why would you do that? Or what's wrong with you? But if it's us, we go, well, I didn't mean to do that. My intentions were good. And so we give ourselves more leeway. We give ourselves more room for error. We give ourselves uh, more latitude to be right, even when we're wrong. And when we do that, we look at someone else and we, we stop giving them the benefit of the doubt. It's a prideful thing, right? Well, you did this, but my intentions were good. Therefore, I'm not as bad as you. I'm not as wrong as you. And we say that when we live in that space, again, we, we don't give people the benefit of the doubt. We, 
we don't find ourselves in a healthy place and we we bring down others because again we think that our intentions are better than their actions and we can get stuck in there and say you know I'm frustrated with you but I'm okay with me because my intentions were good I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and read just verse 2 it says oh don't worry we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are but they are only comparing themselves with each other using themselves as the standard of measurement how ignorant let me read that last section one more time but they are only comparing themselves with each other using themselves right their intentions what they see as right comparing themselves with each other using themselves as the standard of measurement how ignorant Paul says you cannot use yourself as the standard of what is right and wrong there's a few problems with that first of all if we are the standard the standard is always going to be different different people different opinions right and wrong right so the standard is going to be different and if we thinking about this idea of loving humbly if the standard is always what I've done and I'm the standard first of all that standard is pretty low but it's not up to us we can't be we can't say that we are the perfect human that is always the standard for all other humans to operate that's a pretty like he says that how ignorant that's an ignorant thing to say and I would say this way a prideful person establishes themselves as a standard a prideful person establishes themselves as the standard. They look at what they've done, they look at how they've done it, and they say, I am the end of it all. And if you don't measure up to me, then you're wrong. Just think about how prideful that is. And yet, I think I do that. I think maybe we do that. We go, oh, well, I did this last week. Why doesn't she do that this week? Or I clearly can handle this. Why can't they handle it? It's prideful. It's not loving to put someone in that position. And here's why I know it would be true, right? When love is the standard, I cannot be the standard. We're thinking about the way I, the way I talked about it before, right? We're talking about God is love. And then we're going, this is what love is. If the standard is love, if love, you know, all of 1 Corinthians 13, that's how we define love. That's how God is love. When we define it that way, I can't be the standard because I can't do all of those things. And I, sh and I shouldn't be the standard. I, I, it would be terrible for me to be the standard because I can't do it all. You know, I, go back to this, the Supreme Court thing one more time. I saw a video yesterday of a, a person who was a Christian, and they were not in favor of what the Supreme Court decided. And they, one of their arguments for it was, you know, you look back at Saul, one of the wisest people to ever be on earth, um, and all the wives he had, he said he had no self-control. You look at David, a man after God's own heart, right? That's what the Bible says. He has a relationship with Bathsheba, didn't have uh, good self-control. 
And his argument was, this shows us from Scripture that when things are based on um, personal accountability and self-control, it doesn't work. So just overturning this law is not going to do anything. Um, and it's not right to just expect people to have self-control. And I thought, first of all, when I heard that, I thought, well, then why do we have any laws, right? Because all laws require self-control to not break the law. And if you break the law, there's consequences, okay? But then I thought, the point of Scripture is not to say that Saul and David are the end, even anybody else is the end-all, be-all on who we are to be. Jesus is the standard, right? Love is the standard. So when we look at other humans and go, yeah, they weren't able to uphold this, so therefore this law doesn't make any sense, that doesn't work. When we look at Jesus and we say, we have to do the most loving thing possible in all circumstances, then it starts to make sense because we can't be the standard because we are imperfect people who can't uphold that standard. Jesus can. Jesus is the one to uphold all loving standards. When we think about loving humbly, just to define humility and understanding what that means, humility is seeing yourself accurately and acting accordingly. Humility is seeing yourself accurately and acting accordingly. Understanding who you are in your relationship with God. Understanding what you've not done to earn his love and how then we should love other people. I want to go uh, last verse for today. The last passage. First John verses 7 through 11. It says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Verse 9, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Here's, here's where I think our source of love should come from, especially in this idea of humility. I think the source of our love is the humility of Christ. The fact that he would leave heaven, come to earth, <laughs> live as a human, do everything possible to love people that reject him, deny him, kill him and yet in all of that humility he never points a finger he never says you know do you know who I am never he lives out of humility and loves us and dies in humility and we recognize that and we go ah, I'm called to look like him when we love out of humility we can base it on Jesus' humility. It's not based on mine. It's not based on the people I know or the people that I trust. It's based on Jesus. And so I love because of the humility 
and love that Jesus has shown to me. So then the question is, how do I love humbly? How do I do this on a day-to-day basis? There's two ways I want us to process this today, and then I I have one challenge for us this week. The first thing I would say is seek to serve, not to provide. Seek to serve, not to provide. What does that mean? It means when you provide for somebody, and this I think can be tempting, uh, especially for you know men sometimes. If you're the, if you are the, you know, if you're working, maybe your wife's not, uh, or, or she's working part time, or you're working full time, or whatever. Um, sometimes it can be tempting, I think, to be like, I provide for you, like, and there, there's a prideful place we can go for that. There's a prideful place we can go with our kids on that. There's a prideful place you can go as a teacher or a coach or whatever. Like you, you go, I provide for you. I give you what you need. I have worked hard to make sure that you're fine. And, and then we can start to hold that over someone's head. There's almost like an IOU to that. And when we, when we provide instead of serve, there's almost a need for there to be some sort of honoring of that. And I'm not saying that that's wrong necessarily, but I'm saying when our attitude is to serve and not provide, our status doesn't matter. When we serve, we are simply going to love someone else the way that they need to be loved, no matter what it costs me. And if I love them, am I going to provide for them? Yeah. Am I going to show up when they need me? Yeah. Are there going to be any strings attached to that? No. Because if there's strings attached, there's pride attached. When there's no strings attached, it's out of humility. They don't know us anything. We love them because we love them. Because Jesus has loved us. And that's the best way that we can love them. The second thing I would say is that we would see ourselves through the right lens. Right? Like I said before, humility is seeing yourselves accurately and acting accordingly. Seeing yourself through the right lens. We can't be the standard of what love is. Jesus is the standard of what love is. And when we see ourselves as the standard... When we want to look at ourselves and say, but yeah, I did this, but she didn't, or I did this, but they didn't, or whatever. Like, we want to start comparing. We want to start playing that game. Start making yourself the standard. doesn't make any sense. We can't be the standard. We need Jesus to be the standard. We come back to this question in this tension, and we say, what does love require of me? Because loving someone humbly doesn't always make it easy. It doesn't always make it clear cut. It can get messy. It can be difficult. So we ask the question, when we end a difficult love situations, we say, what does love require of me? What's the most loving thing I can do in this situation? And we try and move from that square. Here's my challenge for us this week. Here's the question. How can I move someone to the front of the line this week? You know, when I think about, I've worked in a lot of situations with kids, right? And anytime you tell a group of kids to go line up, right? They all run and they all want to be first in line, right? So that's why I like my kids. They've scheduled line leaders, right? So that every kid gets to be first in line because when we, I mean, 
when I was a kid, I don't ever remember that happening. It was a mad dash, and if you wanted to be front in line, you had to push and shove and bite to get your way there, right? And if someone butted in front of you, it was the worst, right? You're like, they are arch enemy number one. Like, you're, you hate them, and you're not going to be happy about that person for another week, right? Because they butted in front of you. They took your spot. That was your spot to have, and they took it. And I think in some ways, we, we can get caught up in that. We can get caught up in what we deserve and what we think we need and what we think is right and just. And I'm saying this week, maybe find a way to take somebody else and move them to the front of the line. To, in humility, say, hey, you you can have my spot. You can go first. You can be the one who goes next. I don't need to that much. So maybe you'll see someone who's in a hurry at Starbucks or wherever. You say, go ahead, right? You see someone with their kids that kids are melting down and they just need to get through the store. Say, go ahead. You can go before me, right? Say, my, my status, my position in this line doesn't matter. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you go first. I think that's one of the best ways that we can humbly love someone. And so, so maybe it is. Maybe it's something like that where it's a physical thing. Maybe there's just some other way in life that you want to say to somebody else, you go first. No strings attached. You get to go before me. I'll put myself second and you first. Because I love you. It can be very easy to become prideful, to become puffed up, to become full of ourselves and make ourselves a standard because we like ourselves and we like the standards that we've created. But the standard is not us. It's Jesus. We need to love others out of his humility and then they will see Jesus in us. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, thank you for um, the love that you have shown to us. Thank you for loving us even when we don't deserve it. We um, deny you. We push you away. We do all kinds of stuff that should just separate us from your love. And yet you continue to love us well out of humility. And God, I ask that that would be true for us, true individually and true of us as a church family, that we would love humbly, that we would not be prideful about our position, about what we've accomplished, about our seat on the bus or whatever, however you want to say it. Like, I just ask that we would be willing to put others first, to love them the way that you would love them, to even in moments where there's Oh, great turmoil between two opposing ideas that we would still continue to love well because you have loved us well. And I pray that in those moments we would just ask, what does love require of us? And you would make it clear the best ways to love other people. In Jesus' name, amen.